0: Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 261, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference. Have you got your free ticket to the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference yet? Head on over to herbalentrepreneur.com now to join Rosemary Gladstar, Margie Flint, Nancy Phillips, Lucy Jones, Talal Al Ahmed, Yolanda Joy, and many more at the virtual event March 22nd through the 26th. You'll get their best tips, strategies, and ideas to help you on your journey to grow your own herbal business. So jump in now at TheHerbalEntrepreneur.com. Ace High Graphics is your place for custom face masks, shirts, and hoodies. Visit them at AceHighGraphics.com.
1: Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter.
0: I'm Patrick Hunter. And And welcome welcome to to Real Herbalism Herbalism Radio. Radio.
1: Wow, Patrick. Talking to Leslie is always really introspective, isn't it?
0: Yep, she's a... She's a special kind of, such kind of herbalist.
1: I love talking to her. <laughs> I love her. One of the things that she was talking about that has been resonating with me all week is, or wrong, I shouldn't say resonating, but bopping around in my head all week is the idea of ritual for men and ritual for women. And as you know, as a woman, I have seen and I've watched many of my fellow women as we've had children and especially daughters trying to come up with rituals to help mark the changes in life. And for girls, it's, you know, some of it's kind of easy and obvious when to do it. And 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 girls, women's bodies, you know, give us a focus. And I mean, even through most of the middle middle ages of our years, you know, when we're fertile, we've got the monthly cycle. I was astounded when I started to move into the menopausal years that to find out particularly from older women that in fact the moon cycle remains there's just no bleeding so there's still cycles and those cycles naturally and easily give themselves to ritual and, you know so daily rituals and all that sort of things kind of common but for men not so much men don't seem to have at least when I've spoken to you about it you don't seem to have any real like things that you can say, oh, every month I noticed this or you don't really have rituals. Do you?
0: No, I think that's why men think they're eternally, eternally youthful that they don't age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Despite the gray hair and the sagging, uh, belly and, the wrinkles that they, me that they all know, no. of course not <laughs> you. You look so young,
0: right? I feel it cause I haven't done any rituals.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Uh, you're right. I, you know, even with um, a teenager uh, men and teens. I mean, it used to be uh, that there were, you know, not just rites of passage, but there were tests and there were things that were that were part of the ritual. You know, was, uh, some native cultures would you know send their their young men um, out into the wilderness for a night or two. For um, you know, like was, a vision quest yeah, of kind of or... thing, or or just you know uh, survival tactic, or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, we don't necessarily do that. I mean, sure, there might be you know a, a scouting adventure, but it's it's so um, safe, if you will, now yeah. versus then that there's no real, um, there's no real, there's no. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If there's any male listeners out there, let me know. But as far as I've you know myself growing up, there was no rituals that I knew of. As part of growing up. And I've tried to instill that with my son. I think the only ritual I ever did was, I think he was 16 and I let him, he wanted to go somewhere when we were camping. And I said, okay, that's about a half day hike or so. Yeah. You, know, you go for it. You know, we, we know where you are if you're not back by a certain time, you know. Yeah. And that gave him that independence, but I wouldn't have necessarily called it a ritual as much, maybe as a rite of passage. So it gets to become a blurry line between those two for men. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we go through those moments in life. There's no ritual. I mean, I think about it for women uh, as we're speaking. You know, there's um, the baby shower ritual. Yeah. Men yep. don't really have a, an they equivalent don't, They don't that. take
1: part in it as much. Uh, not really,
0: no. Modern um,
1: men do more, but it's really a girly thing.
0: Yeah, there's the ritual of the, you know, if you want to look at what, I, you know, as I'm starting, my, my mind is starting to click into gear here. You know, rituals like, um, you know, like a graduation a... from high school is a ritual. Yeah, Um, that would be a. But that's universal. But that's universal, yes. There's the stag party. Yeah, I was going to say there's the the you know the stag party, the bachelor party, that kind of thing. If you decide you're going to college and you want to be in a fraternity, either male or female, there's a there's definitely a ritual in yeah fraternities um, and and sororities have their stuff. Yes, they they do. Um, You know, if you're going to be a doctorate, there's some things like that. If you're on if you're in the navy, for instance, and you cross the equator, there's a ritual for the for crossing the equator. Um, there's also a ritual for crossing the international date line. Um, there's those types of things that happen, but if you're not in the military, you'll never ever see right. that. So for the most part, for men that are, not or have not done those types of things, there isn't a lot of ritual that I can think of. There's no ritual for a wet dream. The first wet dream that you have, there's no you know, ritual necessarily for the first time you have sex. There's no ritual for, you know, we don't hunt. I mean, there's just so many things that we, as, as males and men culture, we don't do anymore.
1: Well, and a lot of the things, even like shaving, something that many men still do, yeah. majority of men still do, but now boys oftentimes go find that information on YouTube and do it themselves. Yeah, you know, it's that a big was... YouTube thing where young young men and boys like to find as much information there as possible instead of going to their fathers.
0: Yeah, I, or I mean, it used to be that the thing where information was. Um was passed, passed down, down. Yeah. from father to son. And this is how you do things. This is how you're a man. This is what you do. And to some extent there is. But now with, there's so much information that, you know, when our son started shaving, he just started shaving. I didn't even know he was doing it.
1: Right. And, and so I know. like I think I you, informed you. Did yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't <laughs> know win. that. And I told him,
0: I said, you know, I, I was really looking forward to that. I mean, you know, that's the time where we might, you know, provide the first razor or first, you know, thing and then show them how to do it. It becomes, yeah. a, it's not always like a lesson, but it is a ritual. It's, well, it's that, also
1: like learning to tie your own tie. Yeah. You know, which a lot of men find on YouTube now.
0: Well, yeah. I, the fact of the mean, matter is, is that yeah. if you want to learn anything, you can, but, and, and you can learn it, but you don't get the ritual part of it. You don't right. get the the extra level of learning there that you're not going to get from YouTube and you're not going to get from another, another venue, whatever that is. So Right.
1: When you, when you teach someone something or you do a ritual with someone in that way there's something that gets passed with it that's intangible
0: yeah an and, energy
1: yeah yeah an energy it's an experience it's like a flavor well i think know? with
0: any ritual that you know we've done because you you know not to tease you necessarily but you seem to have a ritual for every day of the week um, <laughs> and but but within those rituals there's always some type of energy movement whether that's yeah you know, that's a fire or that's a saging or that's a whatever it is. It's just that there's something that involves moving energy. And I think is unbeknownst to the people like me that are doing things for a ritual, what we would deem as a ritual. Um, sometimes we don't put that together as a as a part of it. And it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that energy movement is really it's important because it marks a change. You yeah. Know? And that's, that's
0: so. Kind On of the, the whole, and... I'm the modern modern Western man, mm-hmm. Western American man, if you want, doesn't seem like we have a lot of rituals. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's hazing rituals. I mean, there's, but not yeah. hazing like you got to walk down, you know, the football field with something in put some. You know what I mean? There's nothing like that. It's, you know, or or when I went through hazing rituals, which in swimming, my swim team, right. we had to go through that initiation. Right. You know, um it was I started going down a line and I was like, Oh, I should probably adjust that a little bit. But um anyway
1: Yeah, hazing has definitely got a very bad name, at least it, when we were younger. That well, was really a bad it well, was like considered the last twenty years evil.
0: hazing has been a problem and it's been taken yeah. to the to the nth degree. Yeah,
1: because it so, becomes more bullying. Well, yeah, it, it
0: yeah, it does become bullying. And what I guess I was saying was hazing was like, you know, the first time that I went golfing with my golfing friends, you know, and I was the first time I was with that group. You go through a ritual, but you wouldn't say it's a ritual. You would go through a little bit of a hazing routine with them. You find out what the boundaries are, who's doing what, who's the smart ass, who's the funny guy, who's, who's the one that takes right. golf way too seriously. You start to learn that. And then, you know, when you first go up to a tee, you don't know what's going to happen a little bit. So there's that ritual of learning that your golf partner is with you and how you handle that. And there's right. a little bit of energy transfer in there. But if I think if I told any of my golfing friends, hey, we're doing a ritual right now, they would look at me like I was half-baked. right, baked
1: Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are actually ritualistic that are built into male culture, into our culture in general. But I'm like calling out male culture because I see them in things like football and basketball and baseball, you know, the ritual of how the guy who's on deck is, you know, how he warms up and the little extra tapping of his foot. I mean, a lot of them have a specific, like, you tap your left foot more times than your right foot and then the ball will go the right spot. But if you tap it right foot too many times or, you know, so many little rituals that are all about getting your mind right. Yeah. Uh, Which is really, I think, what it's about.
0: Right. And it's, uh, you know, whether it was martial arts or I'll go back right now to golf, you know. Every time I approach hitting the ball, especially at the tee, there's a certain way I do it every single time. It's a ritual. Right. I step this yeah. many stops. I get this much place. I set this up. Tap, tap, yeah. tap on the golf club. You know, I do the same thing over and over again. Right. And I even do it when I'm at the driving range. Why? Because I'm getting my mind right for that next motion and engaging that muscle memory. And if I don't do the ritual, um, then I'm typically it's not going to be a, a, east, at least one of my average shots. Right, you know,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so that being said, there are rituals in that way for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and those I think a lot, a lot of times I think a lot of men's rituals have become more like commonplace. We take it for granted. That's just normal. And women's rituals are not commonplace, normal. We take it for granted, so they become somehow different. We call those rituals, whereas for men, there's just normal activity. I mean... Of course, you take exactly four steps before you get to the tee, and then you turn around twice and, you know, roll your right shoulder three times and your left shoulder once. And that, of course, is just normal. Right. (laughs) Even though
0: realism is actually a ritual. I never think of ritual being as something that I do by myself. Mm -hmm. And like in that instance, you know, getting ready to to tee off a golf ball, and I do certain things. I never think of that as a ritual. I just think of that as something that I do. Um, and I think if you would ask most men, they wouldn't think of it as a ritual in right. that way. Right. Um, I think when I think of ritual, I think of, you know, a group of men, men a group and, of
1: people uh, men or, and boys yeah, or, yeah. or
0: a group of people doing something, interacting to, for a goal, like a, you know, a solstice ritual or, right. you know, um, a Yule ritual or a, whatever it is.
1: Right. Know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, life is, um, many rituals of many sizes. I mean, I have my little like daily tea ritual of how I do make my tea and, you know, the first cup focus more. And, you know, I I have little, little rituals of the ways that I do those things. And they're just daily things to help, like I said, get my mind right, help me be peaceful inside and be prepared for the day and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, the bigger rituals, like, you said solstice, for instance, or you know, spring equinox rituals. The spring equinox rituals are a lot less um, structured and sometimes involve others, like going out to collect cottonwood buds. That's often a with other people, right? You know, with herbalists right. that I care for and respect, and I often aim for. You know, women like this year, Sue Sierra Lupe. I got to go out mm-hmm. getting cottonwood buds with her mm-hmm. this month, and it was really wonderful. And I, I I do that because it's a reconnection for me. It's a reconnection with herbs, herbalism, the plants, the energies of spring, and it's like a renewal of my relationship with not just the plants and everything else, but with the person that I'm with.
0: Well, does not a ritual like a repeatable set of actions and ideas to get to a energetic goal, I feel? Versus, I mean, when you say you went out to get, you know...
1: The cottonwood buds?
0: Yeah, I don't think of that as a ritual as much as it was a fun outing in the spring. Well, (laughs) I mean,
1: it's a fun outing in the spring, but there's the ritual of going out for the various spring herbs that are, for me, when I do them, I mean, I might do some of them. Like, I might go nettling five times, let's say, Mm -hmm. in in a given spring. The first time, when I go out, I am very clear about how I, how I hold my energy, how I hold my mind. I practice, you know, my constant gratitude right. and that sort of thing. So I have practices that are somewhat internal, but I usually pair those things with somebody else. So it might, you know, like I said, the cottonwood bud gathering paired with another herbalist because, and someone who, you know, she was the one that introduced, introduced me to cottonwood buds. So that for me, that's a that's a ritual, but it's also a renewal, which is what spring is about, is renewing. Mm-hmm. So in spring, my rituals are not necessarily super structured, but I practice, you know, the other four times that I go out for cottonwood but, or for nettles after the first one, I might be a lot more casual about it. But that first one, I'm usually really aware of the energies and offering you know, offering gratitude and being aware.
0: We've put out the call to all you herbal product makers. The Real Herb Market wants you. We're looking for herbalists who make the best herbal products to join our seller's group. If your herbals are handmade, sustainable, and of the highest quality, pop over to the Real Herb Market and fill out the form. For more info, visit realherbmarket.com.
1: Part of what Ritual does is it slows us down and helps us become aware of the stuff beyond our daily heady lives. Mm -hmm. Most of us live most of our lives more in our heads than anything else. You know, we're thinking, thinking, thinking all the time. And we're um, projecting all the time. So when I'm doing a ritual, I'm aiming to not so much project, at least in the spring, but to take in and to be aware and to be present, fully present in that moment. And not analyze or think it through, just perceive, you know, right. and experience and offer, you know, the nudge or the motions that make sense in the moment. So, I mean, ritual has such a broad scope of what it can be,
0: you know? Yeah. And like I said, I think it sounds like you're applying it to many more, not mundane things, that does not sound right, but many more things that you do throughout the day, and throughout your life.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a book, I can't remember the author's name, but it's called Little Altars Everywhere. And the book itself has absolutely nothing to do with my mindset here, but the title is something that's always stuck with me because that's honestly the way I live my life. I'm like, little rituals everywhere, little altars everywhere, little moments or points that I can stop and say, wow, here I am. I'm human. This is flipping amazing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hey, look at that sky. Look how amazing it looks right now. It's blue or it's cloudy or look at the way the light, the orange is, you know, layering on those clouds as the sun is setting or rising. Right. You know, so little rituals everywhere, little opportunities everywhere.
0: Maybe that's a great way to bring a little bit more um, of that magic into our lives. that seems to have been lost in the everyday mundane.
1: It was one of the things I learned from the Basset Hound, first Basset Hound, Saxon Brew. He mm-hmm. taught me that it is wise to really just take as many opportunities as you can to step back for just a second and say, Wow, this is awesome. Could, could you look at that? Can you can you believe we get this? You know? Yeah.
0: It's nice to to have um dog eyes when you're looking at life. <laughs> right.
1: Well, uh, he was part of what started me on the path of recognizing rituals don't have to just be the giant big celebratory markings of huge occasions. Those are important rituals too. And, you know, our spring ones are pretty lightweight. Like I said, you know, the first nettling and the making vinegar with the cleavers, and it's all—all all of them are about recognizing the plants that are popping up, and then starting back into the motion of renewing the herbal pantry for the next year and re, re, restocking, as it were, because usually by this time of year we've run out of things or are running out of things. Like the cleaver's vinegar, mm-hmm. which you know is probably long gone at this point i I have to check the back of the cabinet. There may be one more quart left in which case I've got some really tasty dressings ahead but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, my spring ones are more you know relaxed my fall ones are a lot more formal. I have a tendency to have there's more opportunities for slightly larger formal occasions in the fall mm. you know, like the day of the dead and a fall equinox and the harvest celebrations and
0: Yeah, it makes you think about other cultures and their ability to continue with um, rituals that we seem to have lessened or lightened or removed. Yeah. You know, I mean if you're really devout Catholic, there's yeah. rituals, rituals all the time. Rituals all the time. There's rituals, ritual over the day,
1: and there's you know? yeah, there's holy days all the you time. Know, I mean, and,
0: if you're if you're yeah. practicing if you're Practicing devout Jewish person, you're going to have yeah. a lot of, and then, yeah, the whole you know, Judeo
1: Christian culture, all of it, any religion. I
0: mean, even you know, Muslim, you know, they ritual every day, yeah, yeah, you know, twice a day, yeah, got lots of rituals, uh, yeah, you know. So maybe it's because I'm not a religious person in that vein that I don't feel about ritual as some other people might be listening mm-hmm. right now and saying, Well, what do you mean? I do rituals all the time because of my faith, right? And, and that, right. and that may be true, I mean, you know. If you take that idea, then I would say like me meeting with my my people, if you will, every week at a certain time at, yeah. at a pub would be a ritual.
1: It is a little bit, you know? yeah.
0: And without that, we haven't been able to really do that for a year. It's starting to wane on me. Yeah. You know, I, it was something so simple that, um, and for many people, same thing, something so simple that we took for granted. And then when you took it away, it's was like, well, oh, it really gave me a lot of, positive energy for the week and how i was going to move through the week and it was just this refresh every week for me
1: yeah sometimes it's the no longer doing something that causes you to realize how valuable it was and then when you return to doing it it's like i find myself in meditation practice regularly falling away you know be doing great for a few months and then one day I'll wake up and realize, you know, I've meditated for a month now. And uh, yeah, that hasn't been good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, at first, the first few, you know, first few days of not doing meditation, I don't really notice. After about two weeks, I start to notice that uh, life isn't as peaceful as it had been, that I'm not as peaceful as I was, Right. and that it seems like there's so many dramas. And then I spend a week or two convincing myself or trying to convince myself that all these dramas are somehow unusual and different because of the things that are going on in life with the people around me, you know, whether it's my family or my community, whatever, you know, just life and other people. And then eventually after usually like three to four weeks of not meditating, I realize that that's all a bunch of hooey and the fact is I'm just not meditating. If I start meditating again, all those dramas don't seem nearly as intense. But it's the absence of meditation that reminds me of the obvious. For hmm. you, it's the same thing. The absence of getting together with friends reminds you of the obvious.
0: That is true. It is obvious until it's not there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> what? How are your new year's resolutions going? Are they there, or are they not there?
0: Oh, you know the still biking and uh, trying to bike even more now than three days a week because the weather is in our neck of the neck of the nation, if you will, has gotten more warm um, and the sun's up a little earlier, so it's a little easier. Um, the January rides were were cold, yeah uh, they could be wet, and now it's um in comparison to those, it's much easier. If I had started biking now, maybe I would. Maybe I, I my baseline would be different. So I know how bad it can be. <laughs> right. Um, so right now, it's really a lot easier than it was. Um, you know, the bike is holding up really well. I've got probably five, six hundred miles on the bike now, and and, nice. and uh, you know, no real major repairs so far. And
1: uh, have you hit the habit point?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, when I when I know that it's a day that I'm supposed to bike and I don't because of business or an appointment or whatever, or it's a rainy day, really rainy day, I kind of miss it and I and I need it and I feel like oh I didn't do that so I feel bad about it. It's kind of like uh, the years of taekwondo we became habitual. You know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday we were there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we weren't there. So I'm like oh you know, and then weightlifting. You know, it was you know you know every Friday. You know every Friday sunday and tuesday and then we stopped doing it and it was it was awkward or we would stop for a day or we'd miss a couple days and it was like oh so it's become a part of my what i do it's oh, do i say it's the ritual it's a ritual you know every, i mean every morning i mean i get up and i you know and it's funny you know it's a ritual to start bike riding mm-hmm. i have five yeah. or six different things that i have to do each time i get on the bike before i feel comfortable about being on the bike yeah. You know, I've got to turn the light on. I've got to turn the taillight on I'm blinking. I've got to turn my podcast on. I've got to turn my training uh, uh, recording app on. I've got to turn the right speed on the bike. You know, right. I've got, I got a light on the back of my helmet. i got to make sure that's on. You know, there's all, all these. My, little, yeah. my gloves are on. I mean, there's all these little things. And if I don't do them in a certain order, I will miss one. Right. And yeah. I will remember that I missed it about a half a mile down the road and I'm not in a position to fix it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then yeah. it just... Throws the whole bike right off kilter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Then you're like the whole rest of the month, uh, way you're just worrying about that one thing that you didn't do. And, you know, somebody going to notice my helmet light isn't on. Is this going to be a problem?
0: Yeah. The, the downside of biking in, in late spring or in the spring is that more people are out now than they were in January. Yeah, I've so noticed I so I'm competing with a lot more people on bike paths and bike lanes and through the university where I bike through. Yeah. Um that has been more of a challenge because I'm moving quite speedily now through these areas. Yeah. So I've noticed that I've had to really pull back on my speed because I got too many more people around me. Right.
1: It, yeah, and that makes sense. So
0: anyway, yes. So I am continuing with my uh New Year's resolution. I am still biking. In fact, I'm biking more and I can and I've even thought about figuring out a way to to connect uh, holders onto my bike so I could take my four or five core golf clubs to the driving range. I know. So I'm, I can, I'm looking forward to so seeing can, you. So I can bike
1: biking your, to him with your... the golf range.
0: <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. That's my next big thing. How about you? Good
1: on you. I am still biking. I took a week off right at the very end of February, beginning of March, because I um knocked a rib out of place i think and kind of torqued my neck it was really just more tension driven than anything else um but and i got it readjusted mm. fairly rapidly with the chiropractor so that was awesome mm-hmm. but it was pretty much like a week of my muscles were sore and hurting for the rest of that week because it was hard it was a, jarring enough So I decided to just not worry about biking that week because I was concerned that that would cause more tension than relief, and that would potentially knock everything out again.
0: Right.
1: So I did it and then I got back to biking, which was really good, but I noticed that getting back started on getting biking was really tough for me. I had, after a week of not doing it, it became easier to say, well, I need to get into the office early. And you know, we've been right in the middle of working on launching the real herb market this month. So I've had this huge extra project that's overwhelming. And that's honestly scary to me a lot, a lot more than I probably let on. And it's challenging. And, you know, I, I really want it to go well. And there's so much to do with it, that I kept excusing it. Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to bike today because I'm going to get, that'll get me into the office an extra, you know, hour early. And, and it's, if it's either biking or yoga, it'll be easier to just do the yoga. And, you know, I'm not even meditating. I did that too. I kind of, you know, started up about the second week in March. I started up on meditation again after having taken that long ass, long stinking break (laughs) that I should not have taken, but I did. And so that was, that was really, that was rough. And what I realized in the absence of biking and the absence of meditation and yoga, I didn't really give up yoga, but you know, the absence of biking and the absence of meditation showed me how important both of those are. And it's not just the one or the other. I kind of need both of them now. So I'm happy ish with where I'm at for my you know, progression on this resolutions. I'm a little bit concerned because what I'm realizing is that this may be like yoga. I have to do it for the rest of my life rather than this is just a phase for a year or two. (laughs) So (laughs) when I decided I was going to do it, I was like, well, if I bike for two years, I'll have, I'll feel like I've like earned the bike. So it'll be okay. And after that, if I just you know do or don't it won't matter and i'm realizing i probably need to bike every week for the rest of my life and that's good little overwhelming <laughs> but good so yeah that's where
0: i'm at oh, at least you keep, you keep moving um and you know A lot of people, if you ask them what their resolution was this year, they have completely forgot about it at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't need, oh, yeah. Uh, So the fact that you're still doing it and you're still on it is really great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the key, I think, to being successful in your resolutions is willingness to allow for flexibility, which is what I've done. And, you know, it's an experiment. Just like playing with the herbs, it's an experiment you know ritualism is a practice the reason we use practice is cuz you're practicing uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> right
0: so with that really bad pun
1: uh, um, that wasn't that bad a pun <laughs> okay it was a little bad but okay
0: so anything else that we want to cover on on this ritualistic podcast
1: no although i'm thinking that sometime soon we should have a ritual for launching the realer market I think that'll be coming up, but I think we'll 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 tell y'all more about that as we get closer. I don't think I'm quite ready for that.
0: Look, I'm just going to be excited that it's working yeah. and running because we've got a lot of interest in it, and we've got a lot of people that already want to be founding sellers. Yep. and it, it's really exciting. And because of those people, I'm pushing through a lot of my own fears and challenges on getting things done and getting things to working the way I want them yeah. to work and the way that I, at the level I want them to work. Mm-hmm. That's yeah the, that's yeah. the key i could slap it together and you know we could find a way but i don't want people or sellers or our sellers to feel like this was just you know slapped together they don't know what they're doing and exactly. i don't feel confident in selling here
1: yeah our sellers and our buyers all of them you know? everyone the whole public they all deserve a really good site that functions well
0: well especially since you know yeah. honestly the bars are so high with Organizations and other companies like Etsy and Amazon and Walmart yeah. and Alibaba yeah. and all these other marketplaces. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have to be at a certain level that, you know, maybe five, ten years ago we didn't have to be.
1: Right. But right. we do now. We do now. There's an
0: expectation level.
1: And I want to live up to that. So. Still scary. Still scary. So with that, put, put in an herb on it. it.
0: The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem.